1: Hi, I'm Danielle Rudoycin. Welcome to the latest episode of My Big Idea, the weekly podcast from ASOS which brings you amazing career inspiration. Today I'm talking to zine founder and journalist, Ioni Gamble. In 2014, Ioni created Polyester, a zine and website founded as a celebration of, quote, all things trash, kitsch, and camp. As well as this, she's a staff writer at Dazed and has freelance for Time Out and ASOS likes. Here's Ioni's big idea. Hey. Thanks for coming into ASOS. No worries. So we're here in the ASOS canteen in London today to talk about you and your amazing uh, career founding the polyester zine. Uh Um, So firstly, why the
0: name Polyester? So Polyester is named after the John Waters film of the same name. Um, I really admire John Waters' work and also his writing in relation to the fashion industry and to subculture. Um, Secondarily, we also wanted a name that's sort of pushed against the glossy side of like youth culture publication so it's kind of like a tongue-in-cheek poke at nylon but we really like nylon but I think what's the opposite <laughs> of that polyester like scratchy <laughs> cheap <laughs> horrible so that's why it's called polyester and the
1: your latest issue which I think was issue four yep. features Tavi Gevinson and Gogo
0: Graham on covers uh-huh. um what does it take to be a polyester girl um, well, issue four is actually the first time that we featured like talent, so to speak, on the cover as opposed to like a model from an editorial photo shoot. Um, I think those two in particular were really inspirational as cover girls because they're sort of like pushing against industry convention. Um, They're both extremely political in their work, so Gogo being like a transgender designer who makes clothes for trans women, and Tavi, who obviously founded Rookie, um, that an amazing feminist platform. So I think it's just about having your own voice, having a political voice, having um, a social conscience, (laughs) and (laughs) just also just being really cool, I suppose, like knowing your own mind, um, and just being inspirational to other women. Did you approach Tavi
1: or vice versa, and how did it go? How did you go about getting Gogo for the cover?
0: So my friend Eleanor Hardwick, who is a staff photographer at Rookie, um, sort of let me know that Tavi was coming over to the UK for the Pirelli calendar launch. That was last November. November, um, and she said, "Oh, we should do a shoot with Tavi," and I was like, "Yeah, that'd be amazing," but didn't really think it was going to happen and then the like it was like a Friday night and Eleanor texted me like oh we're shooting Tavi tomorrow what 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 are we going to do <laughs> and I like oh my god what how <laughs> we need to get a location we're not going to be able to pull any clothes because it's a Friday night <laughs> and so we just ended up shooting it at the Peckham Liberal Club where you shot the digi dating yeah. series yeah love that place um all like extremely last minute um basically because Eleanor and Tabby have been friends online since they were like 12 I think at the time Tabby interviewed Eleanor for Style Rookie, like when Style Rookie was still a thing. So um, it was kind of just like a happy coincidence that Tabby sort of happened. And then um, we spent a couple of, we did the shoot and we spent a couple of days hanging out while she was here. And then I interviewed her when she was back in New York. A few months later, over the phone, and then Gogo. um, I've really admired what Gogo's been doing for a long time, but it was actually through my a photographer called Taylor Smith, who's an amazing New New York-based photographer. And I said like, oh, I want I want you to shoot Gogo Graham. And like, there's such a big swelling around like political fashion in New York at the moment that I think is not present in London. Um, there is still amazing things happening in London but there's so much going on with like gender politics and social politics in New York fashion that I just didn't see here so I was like I want you to shoot some of the designers and then she came back to me oh I'm shooting Go-Go and I was like amazing so that's how that happened. And what kind of impact did that have on sales having two well known um, people on the
1: cover as opposed to more anonymous models?
0: Really well, really like really well. So we released February so two months ago nearly to the date um, we've already sold out like completely sold out i oversold them by accident (laughs) what's your print run um we print a thousand copies at the moment um we kind of increase every issue so how much was it on the previous issue just for purposes of comparison so the previous issue was 500 but we did it in like two lots of 250 um i'm always scared of just ending up with like thousands of scenes sitting in my bedroom (laughs) What, what, what will the next issue be in terms of a print run number? Um, I haven't decided yet. It depends whether we match a cover girl like Tabby, but I mean, it's hard to sort of gauge how much interest that generated sales wise. Um, we got a few more stockists because of it, which is very nice. And obviously she has like a huge American fan base. So um, we got a lot more American sales, but I think our sales weren't, they were still kind of the same rhythm. So I think it's hopefully an indication of the publication growing as like our talent grows. Which is a nice thing. So, I'm not sure how many I'll print for the next issue. <laughs> Haven't really thought about it yet. Um, so, you're young, you're 22.
1: Yeah. Um, you work in London, and obviously, um, Polyester's doing really well. And you also work for Days a bit, and I know you freelance for some other titles. Um, tell me a bit about how you got to where you are now, because I think lots of people will be interested to know about how to start a zine like how you
0: get there okay so I studied fashion journalism at UCA which is in Epsom, and um, I've never sort of been the type of person well when I was 18 I wasn't the type of person that wanted to go to uni to like a great knowledge of wealth and to write a big dissertation and to learn lots and lots. Uh, I saw it as like a pragmatic way to get a job at the end of my three years and a good way to get into the fashion industry which seemed like impenetrable to me at that point. So as soon as I got into uni I knew I was going to do as much as I could to sort of like put myself in the best position so I didn't have to intern when I finished because I wasn't in a financial position where I could intern for free. So um, I studied fashion journalism and then in second year I completed an internship at Time Out, which was really great, um, and continued freelancing for them. And then also in second year, while I was at Time Out, we did a project to make a publication, and that was polyester. So it was in groups, um, three of us still work on polyester now. and. Me with the other people that work on it with you so Kayla is our designer so she designs the print and then Gillian is the junior fashion editor and she styles some of the shoots and then they're the people I went to uni with and now we also have an online editor called Ailey who deals and like manages all the online content now I'm working a bit more freelance wise and stuff so we made polyester as a group print publication and we, start, we never thought we'd take it anywhere, but we saw, like, Arvida said she'd shoot the cover, and we started getting all of these talent that we really admired, so we were like, oh, we may as well give it a go. And so we just started out with a, we wanted to, we thought we'd only make an online thing because it's so much cheaper, so much easier, but we wanted to throw a launch party because that's how you sort of like get remembered and people to actually engage with your product. So we were like, no one's going to go on a website, after they have left a party, so we made a zine and that's sort of how it started. So would you say that four people is the minimum amount of staff you need to do something like that successfully? Um, I think you can do it on your own based on like your skill set. It's a lot of work. Um I can't use InDesign and Kayla like brings that to the project. I don't want to be a stylist, so she brings that to the project. And it's nice working in a team in the sense that you can like bounce ideas off each other and you're not so like single minded in your thinking. I think that's always a benefit. But I know people that make scenes by themselves or in twos but from my experience of, like, other zines, I mean, there's, like, four of us core team, but there's probably, like, an outreach of about 20 people that all pitch in at some point. Like, regular photographers, we like to use regular stylists, makeup artists, set designers. So it's always good to have, like, a larger circle, even if you're small, just in your core team. And what do you think is the difference between the digital offering and the print offering? Um, I mean, print gives us the opportunity to be, like a lot more thorough and a lot less timely. People take the time to sit down and read a print publication, which they won't do online. They just want to pick up information quickly or look at something very quickly online, which is it has its pros and cons. So print is a way for us to explore like issues in depth or people in depth, like Tavi, like a big, long profile. Um, I think people still really value print, especially in the fashion industry. Online is still sort of seen as like the lesser of two halves. For right or wrong I don't necessarily agree with that but it is nice to have a print publication that people can collect and they feel like a lot more physically a part of it I think if it's in print so what do you feel
1: is like in today's media landscape there are magazines and there are websites and most brands have both now mm-hmm. what do you think is
0: do you think you need to have both to be a successful publisher no I don't think so I think you need print I think you need one, so either print or online and a strong social media presence, but I don't think you need to necessarily have both to be successful because it just depends on your target audience and how people look for their media. So for example, like if I'm reading ID or Vice or Days, then I will probably only read online. Like, In all honesty, I probably won't spend my money on print. But then it depends how niche you are because I know people like polyester or other scenes because it's very like niche and single-minded and you pick it up and you know there's something that you'll like. So what do you think about advertisers then who might
1: publish, who might advertise in the print version of something like Dazed or but ID, not, but wouldn't want to to advertise on the website? I
0: think it's kind of outdated and hopefully a um, something an attitude shift that will happen over the next few years. Because obviously circulation numbers for any print publication are far less than their online views. So it just doesn't really make any sense money wise, but it's just fashion is still a lot of like old money, isn't it? And a lot of old techniques, so I don't know. (laughs) Is it? That's what I think anyway. Well, um
1: you just mentioned your audience but Mm -hmm. I'm quite interested to talk about the polyester audience because it seems to me that it's quite engaged mm-hmm. and I've been looking at your social media accounts and it just seems like you've got a really strong sense of who reads you mm-hmm. um, how do you go about building that kind of readership
0: so I think it was always really um, it was sort of like a non-thing for me to think about about who the audience would be because it's me <laughs> so <laughs> it wasn't that hard to think about like oh what do these girls like I mean I suppose at the beginning what I didn't necessarily know is that there was a load of other girls that liked the same things that I did so that's nice. I mean, a way that we grew our audience in the beginning was we launched our Instagram before we launched our website or print. So we already had like a fairly strong presence on Instagram before we even launched anything. How did you make people start following you in the um, first place on Instagram? I can't even remember anymore. I think it was just like f- nice, like vintage pics of, like, from like <laughs> the nineties and like old fashioned collections. And behind the scenes pictures from shoots that saw like who we were working with, so then getting those people to like tag us in a picture, which would then drive stuff through to us. Um, I think other I think the audience is built quite organically, so hopefully every time we every time we launch an issue it has someone that might have not been affiliated with polyester before so for example like for issue two Meetup Kirchhoff, issue three mary benson issue four tabby and they bring their audience into our audience which is nice so you ask them to well not necessarily ask social? but hopefully if they like what they've done then they will so you don't actually ask them you just know hope <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah we don't usually ask but obviously it's always nice <laughs> how do you spend an average working day. Okay, um, so I usually wake up <laughs> and then <laughs> a good start. I'll work on freelance stuff mostly in the daytime. Are you pitching ideas, or do you find that people are coming to you a lot more now? Um, I think it's a bit of both. So I work on retainer for days. so I write three times a week for them, like no matter what, and that's my main source of like freelance writing at the moment. And then because because I do a lot of polyester, so well, I find it hard to pitch out regularly so if something comes in I'll do that or for example work on like a more commercial job for polyester so in September of last year I worked on a big project with the BFI on making them like a feminist newspaper so that was like a very intense period of one month working where it was more like a commercial project for polyester in a sense where I had an editorial team and did all of that And then in the evening, I'll usually work on polyester work, so it'll be, like, reaching out to people who want to be in the issue. I don't look after online anymore, but I'll, like, check in with Ailey and, like, see what's coming up. I run the social media accounts, so that'll be, like, sporadically through the day I'll post something. Um, Organising shoots, and then every so often, like, going on a shoot, producing a shoot, so that's basically what my time is made up of. Is polyester making money? Um, It's not making money, but it's in... It's in profit in a way, so like we make money on the print run, so we're in profit, but then we put it back into like hiring a studio or paying for an Uber for all the clothes to come or launch parties, anything like that. So we, we don't have like a surplus of cash at the end of it, but we don't pay any money into it ourselves, which I think is I mean, it's a fairly good place to be here. Yeah. And how do you see it evolving in future? I'm not really sure like I think a way that I would like to I don't think I want to like monetize the print publication necessarily Um, I really enjoy having it as a space where I can just explore any sort of issues themes talk to anyone I want and there's no sort of restrictions on that editorially Um, one thing that I'm looking into which is going to happen is that I'm going to start managing talent that are closely affiliated with Polyester. So like photographers that we work with a lot, um, personalities like Charlie Craggs, like I'll be their manager because it's such like a community around Polyester um, that brands go to us all separately and try not to pay us. So I think it's good to call that. So do you feel like you're moving towards a kind of agency model? Yeah, I'd like to open an agency at some
1: point. Definitely. That's exciting. Yeah. And for you personally, do you see yourself continuing to head up Polyester or do you have dreams to
0: expand your career beyond that? Um, I don't know, it's something I've been thinking about like a lot recently. I enjoy working for other publications a lot and I enjoy working freelance and I enjoy everything that comes with that. But Polyester is obviously a passion. Um, I think I'd like to do Polyester for as long as I can, and I'm not really seeing it as I'll be 55 and I'll be sitting in a big office with Polyester. Don't really think that will happen. That would be quite cool, though. <laughs> it would be cool, <laughs> but I just don't think it will happen. So I think I'd like to continue it for as long as possible, but I obviously did have aspirations before I started it to be an editor of another publication. Um, I found that like I found that my aspiration has kind of had a shift since I started Polyester and since leaving uni because... Um, because nothing's as fulfilling as working for yourself, even if it's equally nice to work for other people sometimes. So I don't really know to be honest. So how have your aspirations changed? <laughs> so I've always been like very career-minded, like ever since I was very little. So I'd always see something as like a, where the end goal would be. So I go to uni so I can get a job. I go to jobs so I can work my way up the fashion industry, and then I can sit like at the top of a publication when I, whenever how old I am but increasingly I thought it more important to just like work on projects like polyester that I actually care about a lot that don't really seem like work because it's so much fun and there's not, no restrictions on me in terms of like advertising, like working in corporate magazines you see how much the editors have to like compromise and I don't have a problem with that because obviously it, it, that's what happens when you're a big publication but I'd like to see where polyester can go without me having to do that in a way. What publications do you read? and Um, respect okay I really respect other zines so the chap which is a zine that my friend Cherry does Um, OOMK which is like um, just like a Muslim faith zine but it's just really amazing what they've done Um, I really like diaspora drama strike which is like an anarchist newspaper and it's all run by women and they're all like super young um they're the people that did do you remember when all of the bus stop advertisements got hijacked with like socialist propaganda that was them um mainstream wise like, i really still re- i still respect days and id like a lot um i think days just like amazing arts and culture coverage i don't really know <laughs> don't really print that lot. much you've listed right there <laughs> What advice do you have for people, for anyone, wanting to start their own zine slash website? Um, I would say, like, start writing for the smaller ones first. To build your confidence up, that was a really important way for me to find my editorial voice was to write for other publications, smaller zines like Sister Zine I wrote for when I was in my first year of uni and that really helped. And then also to just have like a very strong editorial vision and know that what you're doing isn't really being done anywhere else because there's ways that you can collaborate with other people very easily that would be just as fulfilling and it's a lot of work to start your own publication which I think some people might not realise. So it's very like easy to like, wane your enthusiasm once you've started a project and then you're like, shit, this is too much work for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's nearly happened like a lot of times to me. Um, I think just like have confidence in yourself. Women are taught that they shouldn't really do projects by themselves or that they should keep quiet, but there's so many strong women with strong editorial voices in journalism at the moment that that need not be do the you case. you follow in particular? Writing. Strong women, like the ones you were just thinking of. Okay, so at the moment I'm like really obsessed with Rowan Blanchard. I think what she, I think that like if all Disney stars were as politically engaged as her when I was 14, then people my age would probably be like Prime Minister by now (laughs) (laughs) instead of making fashion scenes. Um, I also really love Grimes. I think what she does in the way that she's just so unashamedly weird and the way she doesn't conform to like, what a pop star should or should not be, but then also really um, really is not ashamed of the fact she's a pop star. There's no snobbery there. I find what she does really, really inspiring. Um, I think women like Gogo Graham as well um, and Charlie Craggs, like, all of these women that exist in the face of such adversity and are still so strong and so single-minded and just want to do what they want to do, I think that's really inspiring to me. That's
1: great. Well, it was really interesting to hear you speak about polyester and all your ideas. Thanks. Thanks very much, Ione. <laughs> no worries. That was Ione Gamble talking about her big idea. Tune in next week to hear the next My Big Idea and check out previous episodes on Acast, iTunes or your favourite podcast app. Bye.